and welcome to the Fan Team Focus podcast. And tonight I am joined by a very, very special guest. And it's Josh. And Josh was the winner of the season-long million pound tournament on Fan Team last season. Um, I think we'll all agree that that is a bit of a blinding result. Um, so how are you, Josh? I'm great, thanks, mate. And how are you? Yeah, not too bad at all. Yeah, I've had a nice walk this afternoon. It's good to see that the sun's back in London as opposed to yesterday, which was absolutely grim. Um, before we dive into um, all of the stuff, I just wanted to, a little reminder to people that are listening um, at Fan Team Focus, we are running a, a leaderboard for the whole of next season. Um, it's going to be about 35 tournaments and there is a grand to the winner. All you have to do to get in is to refer one person. I'll give you a few more details at the end, or you can find them on the website. And without further ado, let's find out a little bit more about Josh. So Josh, what's your, what's your background then? Did, were you like new to fan team last season or how did you find the site? Yeah, exactly, mate. So I saw an advert for the um, the Premier League season long game and that's that's why I joined fan team. I thought... This looks a bit of good value, um, like a small buy-in for such a big guarantee. I thought, I thought, yeah, let's give this a go. Um, right up my street. I knew the rules were quite similar to FPL, which is what I've played for years and years. So, I thought I'd just give Fan Team a go, and and yeah, that's how I found the site. Really, yeah, it's interesting. That was good. that was actually going to be my next question. So you're you're from an FPL background, then, so you're used to sort of the scoring system and used to it, all of the stuff around it. Yeah, exactly. So I've I've played FPL all the way since I was in school. So like obviously very casually at that point. Um I've probably started watching videos and researching it for maybe the last sort of three, four years. Um, but I've had I've had an account on the site since like two thousand and five, I think. So um I've lo- I've always loved playing FPL, but yeah, so um your- I joined because they're they're quite similar and um yeah, I just gave it a go, to be honest. And um with FPL, have you had any success? I guess it's, you know, success on FPL is quite different success on the fan team, obviously. But, you know, what's your highest finish? Yeah, so the, t- the two seasons before this current season, I came 12,000th and 4,000th. So I've, I've done okay, like on FPL. Um, obviously nothing, you don't get like medals or anything for that. But um, two solid seasons, yeah, just before I, I had the miracle season on fan team. So, yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Saving all the good luck for the payday, which is probably the best way to do it. And for those that aren't familiar with FPL that do play fan team, although I can't imagine there's too many of you, those finishes that Josh just said are pretty bloody decent finishes. I think there's like 7 million players a season or something like that. So if you're finishing 4,000, anywhere around there is an absolutely blinding result. But uh, so what, what, like, are, are there any sort of transferable skills that you find for FPL that transfer over to fan team? Um, so the, the number one thing I think is trying to trying to roll your transfer whenever you can. Um, I think on fan team that was even an even more valuable skill than on FPL um, because of the, the lack of chips on fan team obviously mean that it's so useful to have two transfers in a week. Um, and that was something I always used to do on FPL. And and I, I was probably more inclined to take a hit on FPL, for example. But um, 
on fan team, you know, I just I just found that that rolling the two transfers worked particularly really well last season, and it got me out quite a few holes. Um, when when the random postponements and rearranging of games was happening at such short notice, I feel like having two transfers a lot of weeks really got me out of some of them holes. To be honest. And did you ever swallow minus four? Um, I only took minus fours or minus eights on fan team last year during either a blank or double game week. So in all the normal game weeks, as, you, as you'd call them, I suppose, yeah, the yeah. ones with just 10 fixtures for once for each team, I didn't take a single hit last year, no. And last season, obviously, it was a little bit bonkers with some of the fixtures, you know, we had sort of, you know, late con- cancellations, which, you know, you probably wouldn't have known too much about, you know, and they were just unlucky. Um, this season, I'm hoping anyway, because I didn't play the season long last year, that um, it should be a little bit more back to normal. It's obviously not going to be normal, but a little bit more in that direction. But um, exactly, yeah. I think um, I think last year was a one of a kind season. I would imagine in terms of they were they were rearranging games for like the following Tuesday on the Saturday, for example. Obviously, that's not possible with supporters in the stadium for a start and having to police the ground and stuff. Um, so I'm hope I'm hoping myself it's back more to normal. To be honest, even though it, I think it benefited me a little bit last year as it turned out. But um, yeah, fingers crossed. So I, I joined, I've, I've played uh, DFS for years. I played on DraftKings. Um, I play have played FPL, um, but I tend to you know lose interest halfway through and then start making stupid transfers and you know swallowing minus twelves and ridiculous things like that. But um, so I only joined fan team, I think, in March, April time so right at the tail end of this season. So I'm not familiar with how, you know, your progress during the season went. So how, how did it start when, you know, did you get off to an absolutely blinding start or did you build up all the way through? Or Absolutely. So at the start of last season, to be honest with you, as I'm sure was the same for the majority of people, I was much more looking at my FPL rank at the start. I, I, I had 12 teams on fan team. I put in 12 teams for 25 euros each or whatever they were. Um, and they all seemed to start well. I think they were all like in the money places, for example. But I was just checking it at the end of the game week sort of thing to begin with. I was I was really just looking at my FPL team and I wanted my FPL players to do well, to be honest, more than anything. <laughs> um, and then it, it started to get where my rank was getting a bit ridiculous. So it started getting to like... I saw I was in the top 100 on my team and I thought this is amazing like I couldn't believe I was in the top 100 to be honest and then by game week 16 that was the first time I went first um, and I, I stayed in the top five for the rest of the season basically so um, and there were, by the way two of the other top four so three out of the top four in total we were all in the top four um, from game week 16 till game week 38 it was it was crazy it just stayed like that for the whole the whole season basically oh wow and um so then sort of from game week 16 obviously you, you know you're in a decent position already um with you said you went to 12 teams which is quite interesting because that's probably roughly what I'm going to enter as well um I find you know I had 50 in the euro million and that was just not manageable at all so I'm hoping to get it down to you know a manageable level. I don't want to be spending a whole day a week trying to manage these sort of things. Um, what what was your structure? Did you have like similar? Were they all similar teams to start off with, or were they, you know, or will it, were you trying to cover a lot of different bases, or you know, were there players like, you know, before we started recording, you said you're a West Brom fan. 
Matis Pereira obviously had a cracking season. Obviously, you know, West Brom, not so good, but he was doing well. You know, was there any interest from him in your team and stuff like that? Yeah, so um, I should say I entered eight at the start and I entered another four late, Regin. So um, if you remember, Man United and Man City didn't have a game in game week one of last season. Or course, I'm not yeah, sure yeah. if you knew that. But anyway, um, so all my game week two teams that I entered were piled on Man United and Man City players. Literally, I had pretty much triple ups of both of those on on, on my four late reg teams. Um, but in terms of my eight that I started game week one with, I probably picked from a player pool of about 25 maybe and just picked different combinations of those 25 players across eight teams. Um, Were you heavy so on was, Kane and Son? Um, I had a lot of Harry Kane. I, I didn't have much of Son at all, but obviously Kane did the business and not many people had either, to be honest, right at the start on oh, fan really? team. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I had a lot of Jamie Vardy as well. He started amazingly. He got about six goals in the first few, three or four weeks, I think. Um, I was looking back at it, actually. Someone did a bit of a, a mock-up of my team and like it showed me exactly who I had on like a nice little graph format from like weeks one to week 19. And there was there was some quite fun names in there, but um, it seems like they all did quite well in the, in the first part of the season anyway. So Nice. And was Matthias Pereira in any of them? No, I didn't own him all season, mate, no. Um, I started with Kieran Gibbs in my winning team, actually. He'd, uh, he got sent off in game week two and didn't play again for the rest of the season. So well, he's into Miami my, now as well, isn't he? <laughs> that was my only West Brom ownership for the whole season. I think in my in my teams that um, were doing well, in, in some of the lower ones, I started giving, giving Mateus Pereira a chance, for example, in some of my um, lower ranked teams. But well, you've got to tinker fun. around, haven't you, with the lower placed ones? There's no point just leaving them because you... You know, you can still cash sometimes, can't you? Especially, you know, there's, I can't, I think they've lowered the amount of people that get paid this time, but increased the amount of the minimum payment, which I personally prefer, because there's nothing worse than cashing and getting like five pounds more than your entry fee or something like that. But, um, so how much was the win last time? Is it, is it, I can't remember, is it 200k or 150k this time? It, it was 200,000 euros last time. Yeah. Um, it's all converted to pounds for this one, I think. So it'll be, a bit more lucrative for whoever wins it this time, I think. But um, still still more than enough for me. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so let's talk about sort of towards the end of the season then, because it was, a you know, there was talk of like over Christmas and the New Year when, you know, the, I can't remember, second or third lockdown happened that they were, you know, potentially going to suspend the season. Um, obviously, you didn't want that to happen because you just wanted it to, to continue. But um how, when was the time, like you said from week 16, which I guess was around Christmas time, is that right? No. Um, yeah, it, it probably was actually. I think week 19 was um, into January. So yeah, I think it was about Christmas because the season started really late this time around. I think, for example, this yeah, season yeah. come in, um, Christmas is almost like game week 20 or something. So like we've, because we're starting earlier, but um, last year it was around Christmas, yeah. So when was the point when you thought, hang on, I need to start really sort of paying attention to this, you know, more than the FPL, I'm in with the shout here. I can't remember when it switched properly. I don't think it was still, no, uh, when I was top on fan team, I was definitely like slightly hedging more towards fan team, let's be honest about it, because it's not often you get to say you're first in anything, to be honest, in your life. But um I still didn't think I, I had any chance of winning at that point. Let's, I'm going to be realistic at all. Like, so around Christmas time, I still thought there was no chance. Um, when I was still first by say like the end of February, I thought, you know, I thought 
we need to start really taking this seriously now and um, trying to make sure that I at least get a decent finish. Um, but even going into the last day, I didn't think I could possibly win it because I was 22 points behind with one game week to go. And I, I thought there was no chance of catching that, to be honest, um, considering we all had similar teams. So what was the player that caught it up for you? What, who was the, um, you must have had some sort of differential then, sort of after, after, you, after you and the person that was top at the time. I think I had three differentials in total and two of them were Edison and Mane. Um, so I just I just hit the two jackpot players basically on the last game of the season. I think oh, Edison got 14 points and Mane got 16. And where were you watching it? Were you watching it at home or were you down the pub or...? I went, to, I went to my friend's house. Um, we were still heavily in lockdown then, I think. So we were allowed six people around. Um, so there were six, six of my best mates from uni who all play poker with me. Um, we just sat in his house. We all turned our phones off and we watched Gillette Soccer Special. It was um, quite a good sweat, to be honest. But Yeah, the we, last day of the season is you know, quite fun a lot of the time, isn't it? But um, especially when you've got obviously that much money involved. So was there, did you massively bundle then when the final whistles went you realised it had all happened? There was very much a good bundle, yeah. I can confirm that that happened. It was um we checked this we checked fan team website about ten minutes after full time. So we just we, we had a moment to calm down a little bit and then we checked the fan team website and I was provisionally top and I couldn't believe it to be honest. It was absolutely crazy. And I knew there might still be an adjustment after that because sometimes they like add assists or take off assists or whatever. Um so but I, I was very much celebrating at that point. I couldn't believe that I'd caught up the 22 points, to be honest, because it, it was just so unlikely that that would happen. But Nice. How many points did you win by eventually? Uh, three points, I think. Yeah, oh. Two or three. It got adjusted the next day. So it was either, it might have been three on the day and then it got adjusted to two, I think. Oh. So I think it was two points, yeah. That's pretty close. God, yeah, I, don't, the, I don't know how I'd feel in that situation. Obviously, you want to win it, but um, yeah. So I guess the question that most of the listeners are going to want to know is, what did you do with the cash? Uh, I've still got it at the moment. Um, me and my girlfriend are looking to buy a house, which is an opportunity we'd have never had without this because um, we've got quite a nice deposit now. So that's amazing. Um, so we're looking to buy in London now, which probably wouldn't have been affordable to us before this. Um, nice. And then other than that, just... Um, being sensible with some of the rest of it. So like engagement, wedding stuff is stuff that might be coming up in the pipeline in a few years or whatever. But I'm I'm going to Vegas next summer with all my poker friends. I know. So I'm be... a poker player. I used to be a poker player. I've played in the World Series main event a few times and played in quite a few of the sort of other series events and stuff like that. But um, I really enjoyed it when I was younger going out there. Sort of, you know, we used to go out there for the World Series from sort of, end of may for like nearly a month and it was absolutely brilliant but uh I, I love poker but i haven't played for a long time now but um where do you play do you still play live obviously it's been difficult in the past year but there's loads there used to be some decent clubs around london to play in yeah absolutely so obviously as i mentioned to you when we were off air i think i'm, I'm from warsaw so um, Warsaw Poker Card Room, the Grosvenor that's there is like my favourite card room in the UK because that, that's next to my house pretty much. Um, but when I live back home, yeah, yeah. But in London, I play in I play in all the big in the big rooms. So the, the Vic, I play in the Hippodrome, for example. Um, but I played loads online during lockdown. So um, the the games online were really good during lockdown. There was a lot of like new players who were just giving it a go, sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, it was yeah. quite a fruitful time for poker. 
Nice. Was that just on PokerStars or what are the other big sites at the moment? Yeah, PokerStars is the biggest one. Um, that's the one that gets the most traffic. But I play on there, Party Poker and 888. So those, yeah. those are my three main ones. Cool. Yeah, when I played, I think I stopped playing when it um, Black Friday happened. Um, I, I had a decent amount of money on uh, Full Tilt at the time, which eventually I got back, but it took like nearly a year or something ridiculous. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's a story for another day. I could speak to you about poker forever. I love poker. But... <laughs> So, you you must have treated yourself to one little thing. Was it absolutely nothing at all? Um, me and my girlfriend have been to some really fancy restaurants in the past two months, like that we'd have wow. never ever gone to before. I mean, we we've had some really nice experiences, and she's taken some good pictures. So um, that that's been lovely to do. Um, nice. It sounds like you're both sensible because. You know, normally it's the girlfriend could be like twisting your arm to sort of go on a nice holiday or stuff like that. But it sounds like you've got some sensible plans for it. So she she's making me very sensible. Um, if it wasn't for COVID, we would have gone on several very nice holidays, I would say. But we're, we're being quite cautious with that at this point. But um, I'm trying to save some money so we can go away to a few nice places next year, maybe. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll just win it again. Well, come second. Let me win it this time. But um, I'll take so, second all day if you want first. That's <laughs> so talking about the, the the milli this year. Then, how many teams are you going to enter? So I made the same mistake as you on the Euros. Actually, um, I put a hundred into that, and oh, they were pre- they were pretty much all different ones. Um, so what I'm planning to do on fan team is still do a hundred, but keep them as like ten by ten. So keep keep them in um, batches of 10. So I only have to make 10 changes a week is what I'm thinking. And I think that'll be much more manageable for me from an admin point of view. Yeah, because um, once you make a change to a similar lineup, it gives you the option to change it for all of those lineups, doesn't it? So Exactly, yeah. And then, and then, then I make might pivots down the line. I might split them later on, yeah. If, if one particular batch is doing really well, I might split it three quarters of the way through the season or something, yeah, yeah. Um, just to give me some more outs to try and do well, really. But all the ones that are doing really badly, which I'm sure there'll be some of, I'll keep those the same all season and just let, let them um, run their course, I think. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what pretty much what I did eventually. I think as we went through the knockout rounds and the Euros, some of them were just, you know, no way they were going to make up. So I slowly left some of them behind. But I think I entered 15. I think I got 15 caches or something like that. So not great, but, you know. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, which I'll definitely be using this time around. But um, so it sounds like you're going to have a lot in there. So have you decided on your player pool? And don't worry, we're not. I'm not going to ask you to give it all away to the listeners. But have you got sort of some ideas already, or are you leaving that until we get the rest of the transfer news and stuff? Absolutely, mate. Yeah, I think um, I've taken a look at some stuff. Obviously, as you mentioned, the transfer news leaves some of it a bit ambiguous at this point. I think. There's some that have got like question marks next to their names, for example. But I'm more than happy to share a few few bits if you want to ask me more specifics. I'm absolutely fine with it, to be honest. Go on then. Let's uh, let's dig into a little bit then. So we'll talk tactics first. Is there any sort of specific tactics? You mentioned at the start the rolling over the subs. Um, I did that quite a lot in the Euros myself, and I think that definitely is the optimal way to play it, uh, especially with COVID still around. Um, is there anything else on top of that that you sort of, you know, sort of discovered through the tournament last year? Yeah, I, on fan team, I always, always play three at the back. Um, so I'd never play a formation without three at the back because 
the 90 minute points wasn't as significant during the Euros, but in the Premier League season with only three subs, it's going to be one of the most significant factors in in deciding those small differences between people, I think. Um, so I want to take advantage of that like 90 minute bonus as much as possible by having seven midfielders or attackers on the pitch at all times um, on my team. So, and that leads into the other point, pick the guys who are going to play 90 minutes every single week. It's it's just such a bonus amount of points over the whole season. Like yeah. someone like Ward-Prowse gets 38 extra points to someone like Werner or Havertz, for example, just on appearance points alone. It's such a big thing. And that's the problem, isn't it, with Werner? I mean, Werner and Havertz, I, I'm a Liverpool fan, but I think Chelsea are going to have a cracking season this season. And I, I think Werner could have like his breakout season that he didn't have last year. But picking him is a nightmare. They've got the Champions League again. You know, so rotation, they've got so many good forwards. Um, but how how do you put him in your team? You need starters every week, don't you? But um... Yeah, exactly. It might be Chelsea defence is better to target, I think, mate, because the 90-minute bonus doesn't matter for them, obviously. So it could be that someone like Chilwell might be an amazing pick, for example. Um, I've sort of got my eye on them, but their fixtures aren't great to begin with. So I might I might wait and see a little bit just to make sure what the lineup's going to be and stuff. But and they're a bit cheaper as well, aren't they? I think the you know pretty much everywhere that I've read, including on the live stream that we had last weekend, um, you know, Mount at seven million. Is it seven or seven and a half? I think it's seven million. But either seven. way, yeah, it's just bonkers cheap compared to some of the other players. I mean, you know, there's you know he could easily start scoring sort of decent goals. He's been he played a lot of last season in sort of that front three. Um, if he plays like that for the majority of this season, there's no reason he can't sort of pop up with 10 goals. But um... I think Mount's a really nice pick because I think he is someone who has the potential at the 90 minutes and you get a bit of a discount at 7 million as well compared to like, I think Werner might be 8-5, I think. Havertz is 8, I think. Like you To pay 7 for the one who's probably more likely to get more minutes is is a big is a big factor, I think. And I think that could be the way into the Chelsea attack, if any, I think. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And so I assume then you mentioned it briefly then, but looking into the fixtures, are you picking players and teams that have got slightly easier fixtures or are you looking at it from a sort of more of a long-term point of view that these players are going to do well? They may not have the easiest games at the start. But... Yeah, so absolutely. So my fan team approach last year was the long-term strategy and I think I'll do the same this year. So... Um, the latest you can use your wildcard on fan team is week 19. And to be honest, I intend to do that as if, if everything goes to plan and there's not a complete disaster along the way. I plan to use my wildcard in like week 18 or 19, like as late as possible to yeah. set me up for the second half of the season. It's like, it's like getting to restart, isn't it really? So I'm, I'm almost splitting the season into two halves really. Um, so by week 19, everyone will have played each other once or, or they'll have played most of the teams once at least. So at the start, I'm just picking really reliable players that I know will start every week and um, hope for, yeah, just different combinations of those like for, for teams that I think are good as well as the other points. So I, yeah. I don't want like a Burnley attacker probably to begin with because I don't think they're going to score many goals. But I definitely want, say, like an Aston Villa attacker because I think they might do really well with the, the new players they've signed, for example. So. Yeah, well, I think they lost the other night. I can't remember. I think they lost. It was only friendly, obviously. But uh, and obviously, Jack Grealish is on holiday. I think 
somewhere in uh, Turkey or Greece or something getting absolutely caned by the sound of it. And he deserves it. But um, yeah, they're, they're having a bit of time off. I think I think they're not due to come back for another week or week and a half at least. So it might put some doubt on whether these England players, especially, are going to be starting in game week one. To be honest, yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that you know we've seen in previous seasons that you know even if they do start, then generally they're not really sort of you know firing on all cylinders until you know the end of August. Um, I know Jurgen Klopp sort of left some of the players out, sort of. You know, and tried to rotate as much as possible early on. But, um, you know, it would be interesting to see what happens. So in terms of actual players themselves, then give me a, like, a keeper, midfielder, defender forward, one from each position that you think, you know, maybe, maybe might surprise a few people. Okay, so for the, for the keeper, I think the really popular pick is going to be Henderson um, to start with if he nails down the number one position for United. Um for a bit of a more off-the-board one, I really like the Wolves goalkeeper on fan team, the new one. I think Wolves are generally a really good defence. Now, I know there's a lot of unknowns with Wolves because obviously they've got a new manager. The goalkeeper's new as well. But historically, these players that have played for Wolves have gen generally like done quite well defensively. Um, even, at the sec even in the second half of last season, they defended quite well when they weren't getting decent results. Yeah. So, I think at 4.5, the Wolves keeper's worth a pump for me. And, it means you can have Ruddy as the reserve goalkeeper for four as well. So you can you can cover off their number one and two for 8.5, which which I really like that idea. Um, in defence, I really like Luke Aylin from Leeds. I think he's going to have a much more attacking season than last season. I think he got no attacking return last season, which was absolutely ridiculous because he was bombing forward for at least the first half of the season. He, he looked particularly attacking. So I, think um, I really like him and I think he'll go quite under-owned as well. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I like him as well. And I played him actually quite a lot during last season when he was in the fullback role. Because whilst everyone else was playing Dallas, I think Luke Ayling has got as much goal upside because he gets forward just as much. And, you know, I think he had quite a few shots and some like, amazing saves are the only thing that stopped him scoring a lot more points. But yeah, I completely agree. I like him as well. I think he ended up playing a lot of central defence last season, didn't he? Because of the injuries, which... Yeah you know, did restrict him a little bit. But um, I do worry about Leeds as well. That sort of, you know, they had such a good season last year. You know, got so many fans. Are they going to be able to back it up and actually deliver again? Yeah, I think, like I say, I think for just 4.5, I think Ailing's worth the risk. Um, they've got really nice fixtures from like week five, I think. So if people like to get on them for fixture specific, it might be that then's the time to bring a bring a Leeds player in, especially for example, they've got quite a nice run after that, I think. Yeah, um, and they've shown that they can score against any team, can't they? So. Yeah, exactly. I'm tr I'm trying to think of a more like expensive defender. Obviously, you got the Liverpool guys. I think they'll be quite popular. I think maybe Robertson's a really nice differential compared to Trent. Um, I think it tends to be that everyone flocks towards Trent, whereas. If you're only going for one, it might be it might be nice to get Robertson because he has matched him for the last two seasons in terms of points yeah. on on FPL. I'm referring to, but um, I think he beat him on fan team as well last year by a point actually. I think he tends to play a lot Robertson, more games. Robertson's as well. a nice differential for sure. Um, and then should we go into midfield? Yeah, yeah, go on then. Yeah, um, for a cheap midfielder, I really like um, uh, Dallas. Actually, I think. Um, Dallas last year, ironically, would have got more points if he was a midfielder on fan team than a defender. Now I found that I found that a crazy stat to be honest, because it's mainly because of the ninety-minute bonus. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, 
he he would have scored about five, ten more points last year if he was a midfielder than, than a defender, which is just staggering to me because he obviously loses all those clean sheets, but he makes up for it with the 90-minute points, I think. Um, so that I still think he's a great value on fan team at 5.5. And um, other than your worries it, about Leeds regressing maybe a little bit, I think that could still be a really nice enabler. Um, do you think he'll be popular? No, I don't at all, actually. I think I think everyone's going to be like, oh, he's not a defender anymore. I'm not interested. I only like the out of position thing, um, which is why I think it might be a good spot to take advantage of and try and maybe get ahead of the pack with some differentials. Um, the other one I love on fan team, I mentioned him briefly before, James Ward-Prowse. I think he's close to the best pick on the game. Um, he's 6.5. I thought they'd price him much more expensive than that, to be honest. He's, he's nailed on for 90 minutes, 38 games. He takes all set pieces. He's probably on penalties if Ings leaves. Um, he's just got everything. He's like he's, he's like almost the perfect fantasy asset for, for fan team scoring specifically. So I really recommend him to, to anyone who likes someone who's just completely safe, who you can just leave in your team for the whole season and the points will just come in naturally. I haven't seen too many teams so far with him in either. So, yeah, you could be right. But... Um... You know, yeah, these I'm trying things. to say a few more that are like off the board rather than just the obvious picks. You know, I mean, I'm trying to give a few. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, I think that, things I mean, that people haven't thought about maybe. How do you feel about like um, like I've done a few, uh, like quite a few sample drafts now. Um, trying to put any of the Man City guys in is a nightmare. Not so much because of the price, just because you you don't know whether they're going to get games, and if they get the game, are they going to finish the game? You know, it's a major problem. Man United guys, obviously Bruno's amazing, but he's so expensive, you know, probably rightfully so, but, you know, I think there are cheaper, better options. Um, what about Jaden Sancho? I think, I mean, he's obviously an incredible footballer. He's got so much potential. Um, I think they've slightly underpriced him at nine, I think. I think they might have given us like 0-5 save in there per, yeah. for me personally. Um could be a great way into the Man United team that you were talking about. Um, I can't see really a better way. I guess he's he's been signed to play right and to start every game. So um, I think nine million for a Man United attacker. If he if he hits the ground running, he could be an amazing pick. But we thought the same about Timo Werner from Bruce, from um, the German league last year, didn't yeah. we? And it didn't quite work out. So we'll wait and see maybe. But I'm going to start with him in some of my teams. Is that what you're thinking as well? Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah, I'm not definitely not going to go sort of balls deep and have him in every single team. But, you know, I think he, he's the kind of player that, you know, could could do a sort of Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, he could go on a complete tear and score goals. And, you know, the way they line up, you've got to figure that he's going to be a sort of, a, you know, either right side or left side, essentially forward. So he's going to get into the positions and they've got a lot of quality players. So there's no reason that... He, he can't, you know, score big. And as you said, uh, you know, that saving um, over Bruno makes him, you know, a hell of a lot more appealing. But uh, what about the Man City guys? Where do you sit on them? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going for the Man City guys, I think you're almost, you might be accepting that you have to make an early transfer, which which isn't a problem if they get all the points. So you just need to really catch the right one. Um if they don't sign Kane before week one, I think Ferran Torres could be a great pick for a cheaper price because I think there's a chance he plays in the striker role, um, which could could absolutely print points in that Man City team for the first sort of two, three weeks. But if a transfer, because the transfer deadline is open for the first three weeks of the season, 
So if Kane then moves to City in week two or week three, then it's obviously a transfer that you then have to make. But if he gets the points for you, it might it might be worth that one transfer that you'll have to use. But I think if I had to pick one, I would go for Mares because I think, it, especially if De Bruyne misses the start or if Phil Foden's not quite back, as we talked about with the England boys, for example, Mares will always get points if he gets the run of games in the team. So if if we're to say that he might start two of the first three or even three of the first three, he's always done quite well for me when I've had him on fantasy. So I think if I was picking, I would go for Mares as my one. Um, yeah. Have you got any thoughts on the Man City players? Like, is there anyone you prefer? I was going to avoid pretty much all of the guys that went to the Euros. And I think that pretty much, in terms of attacking options, leaves um, leaves Mares. So, yeah, he was the one that I was looking at. Um, and I think he's probably going to be popular because of that, because a lot of people are thinking along the same way. So then it puts you in a difficult situation. Do you follow the crowd? And if he doesn't do well, it doesn't matter. Or do you sort of fade him and move on to someone else? But I haven't really decided yet. But um, I thought I had ages left and I looked the other day and it's only like a couple of weeks now. Um, <laughs> it feels like there should be a lot long, a lot longer than that. I think it's, is it three weeks? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it starts on Friday in two weeks. So it's, it's coming up to two and a half weeks. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's just going to fly by, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And um I want to try and get, as you said earlier, like I didn't make changes early on in the Euros, um, even though a lot of my teams had Christian Eriksen, obviously, which sort of backfired. But, uh, and I want to try and do exactly the same in the the season long, as you said, rolling over the subs. But, um, right, let's talk about um, real football rather than the fancy side of it. Um, do you follow the Championship at all? Well, I will be this season because we, we've just entered it, but... <laughs> <laughs> I I kept up with it last year. I know I know a bit about the promoted teams, for example. Um, I tend to watch the teams that are in the promotion race more so than the relegation race. So whenever there's games on involving sort of the top six, I tend to watch it. So I caught quite a bit of Brentford, Norwich and Watford last year. But um, yeah. And what, how do you... So out of those teams, which ones do you think will do well? So I think... To start with Norwich, I think they'll do a lot better defensively than they did the last time they came up. They seem to have really got a decent defensive philosophy now. Um, I think Farker's got a bit more of his his way like in, integrated into the team. So that their defensive record was pretty incredible last year, last season, considering how bad they were when they were in the Prem. Um, and Watford are quite good defensively as well, actually. So that's what strikes me about those two teams that they might they might be a bit more resistant than we're probably used to with with promoted teams especially the way West Brom defended last season in parts for example we um we definitely didn't didn't defend very well at all so i think that that's what strikes me about those two brentford i think they could be a real surprise package in terms of not quite the same as leeds but they do play really good football so i think it might catch a few of the the more established Premier League teams off guard, maybe if they don't really take Brentford seriously because Brentford passed the ball really well and um, could get a few really nice results against against some of the Prem teams. So then I'm assuming that you will have Ivan Tony in a few teams then? Absolutely. I think he's really underpriced on fan team, to be honest. He's even cheaper than on FPL. I think he's £6 million on fan team. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... 
it really helps you to like build the rest of your team by having like such a cheap striker who you know is going to play 90 minutes, who's on penalties. He got loads of assists last year as well. He just he just seems to have everything. It's it's almost a risk to go without him, I think, because he'll be so highly owned, I think, across the game. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to eat that chalk and just just take him at the start and hope that I can spend the money in other areas as well, such as getting maybe an extra premium midfielder or something. So I'll definitely have Tony, yeah. What about the defence then? You said that the Norwich and, um, and uh, Watford defences are quite solid or more solid than people perhaps expecting. Is it worth trying to squeeze one of their assets in, you know, even if it's like a bench warmer? So, I mean, it's it's who you're comparing them to is the pro- is the problem, I think, for those. Because the cheapest defender for anyone who starts on the game is 4.5 at the moment. There, there might be the odd, like, 4 million who's getting some game, game time in pre-season. But I think when cut, push comes to shove, I think the cheapest playing defender you're going to get is 4.5. And um, I always tend to have five playing defenders on fan team. So Norwich have got the two toughest games in the league for the first two games, I think. I think they've got Liverpool and Man City. So that sort of steers me away from them just off the bat, really. I mean, Watford, if I was going to pick any defensive asset, I'd go for the goalkeeper, I think, Backman, and I'd back it up with Foster because, again, that's the 8.5 million combined goalkeeper pairing I talked about. And you've got like one and two cover in case something happens to Backman, basically. Um so, so you prefer taking the handcuff for the for the goalkeeper rather than just taking another cheap goalkeeper from another team and then rotating them depending on games. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'd, I don't rotate. To be honest, um, last year was an exception because fan team priced Darlow and Melier both at four million, so I had two min price goalkeepers who were nailed to start. So I did it that year. I rotated them, and to be honest, I got a bit lucky with it. I think, but whenever yeah, I've done it, on it, brilliant. Whenever I've done it on FPL, I've had a disaster with it. I always pick the wrong goalkeeper for the wrong games. And because saves are so significant on fan team, it seems like more often than not, you're going you're gonna to get the wrong result because in the tougher games, the goalkeepers make the saves. And I always pick the easier fixture to start. Yeah. So I'm almost like doing it wrong to myself. So I, I like to just not have that decision and stress really in goal and take the cheapest one, cheapest combo possible, which is obviously 4.5 and 4 million this year. And just leave it and just hope they get get the points that I expect them to over the 38 games or over the till till my first wild card, basically. And goalkeepers generally aren't sort of, you know, obviously they can make a difference, but they're not gonna make not gonna make as big a difference as some of the outfield players. You can throw a blanket over the points normally, to be honest, especially when you take into consideration how much each one costs. Yeah. It normally just like is is almost a wash. And on FPL two years ago, I, I think I made 13 goalkeeper transfers, not on World Card one year, because I just kept picking the wrong one who got injured or <laughs> dropped or who like let in. I had the Southampton goalie when he let in nine goals. So he got dropped the game after that as well. So it was like, I'd rather just have two goalkeepers who play for the same team who are number one and two. So I know it's going to be a complete disaster if I, if I do lose out on that goalkeeper. I'd rather it's just take the away, to be honest. I haven't heard anybody doing that either. I mean, I'm sure there are people doing it, but uh, it's very common in America for playing um, things like the NFL, where you, you know, if in the NFL season-long fantasy, then, you know, if you have a running back, you'll try and get his handcuff as well. So if he gets injured, the you know, you don't have to chase to find another starting uh, starting running back. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'll have to give that some thought. But uh, potentially, I think it's quite a good idea. And who am I to argue with you? I didn't win last year. <laughs> no, I mean, it's definitely someone else's turn this year. But um, it's what I've always done on FPL as well, to be honest. I, I, okay. I, ironically, I did it last year with the two Brighton goalkeepers. And then the fourth choice goalkeeper got put in goal, Sanchez. So it didn't work out too well on that game. But with no. Wolves and Watford in particular, I'm I'm very, very confident that either their number one or their number two is going to start all of the games this year. Um, Cause I know the number twos are quite well relied on and quite well liked within those two clubs. So it's, it's definitely what's swaying me towards maybe picking those two as goalkeeper options. And do you try and link a defender from the same team? So you get that sort of um, correlation between the scores. So I think in, in this exact situation, I don't think I do because that means you're already tripled up and it stops, it blocks you from having any other player from that team across the year. So for Wolves, I'm really eyeing up Jimenez um, in maybe week four or five. So if if he proves his fitness and looks like the asset he used to be before his horrific injury, I I want him really. I, I really do want him. I think he's a really good price at 7 million. But if I have Semedo, Ruddy and Saar, I've, I've blocked myself from getting to him basically. So yeah, um, I think in the Wolves case, I'll definitely just have the two. And that's, is that a Wolves now the closest team to where you're from? You're from, near, you're from Birmingham, aren't you? So obviously yeah, you're West Brom yeah. fan, but you know, what Wolves do as a second choice West Country side. <laughs> I mean, they're obviously our biggest rivals. So I, Oh, are they? Okay, sorry. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset if if they were to get relegated or anything. Let's put it like that. But um, they are definitely my my local, my most local Premier League team. Yeah. So I'd, I'd, I always, I try and look past the biases. I try and just look at the value, to be honest. And I think, as I've mentioned, I think they've got some pretty decent value. So I'll, I'll be picking Wolves players if, if I want to pick, like if if I think they're the right picks. Yeah, that's probably a really good idea. Um, it's funny you should mention biases as well because I started reading um, one of our writers called uh, Raptor, FPL Raptor. Um, he's written a book which is going to kill me because I can't remember the name of it, but it's go to his Twitter feed. Um, and I started reading it a couple of nights ago and it's really interesting. And a lot of the first part of the book is about sort of, you know, people's sort of perceptions and sort of biases within the game, even when they don't think they have a bias. Uh, but I'm so, so far, I'm finding it really good. But uh, so anyone that's really interested in this sort of stuff, I'd advise them to go and uh, pick up a copy that you can get on Amazon. Um, and sorry, Raptor, I can't remember the name of the book. But uh, uh, if you search on his Twitter, it's all over that. And as I said, it's cracking read. But so let's get down to protection prediction time. So you're obviously impartial. West Brom went down last year. So who's going to win the EPL this year? Who's going to win the Premier League? Man City. Oh <laughs> no! Don't they're, they're just they're just by far the best team in the league. They've got such so much a better squad than everyone else. Um, if Harry Kane goes to Man City or even Haaland, I think it's it's all over before it begins. To be honest, because I think that's the one position where they might be able to improve, like in the centre forward position. They've just got so much creativity behind that, and they seem to have shored up the defence now with. Three really good centre backs, so I can't see past them. To be honest, I know it's boring. I, I'll, we'll get the boring one out of the way first. Maybe I'll do some better predictions after this. All right then. And this one's a lot more interesting, I think, because although I think Liverpool are going to win the league, obviously I can't see any other dif- any difference. 
I think the Champions League places this year, depending on signings and stuff like that, there's a lot of teams that potentially could be in the mix. Um, so who do you think is going to end up in the Champions League positions this year? I think I think Chelsea will very comfortably finish in the in the um, top four this year. I, I'm, I'd probably pick them for second if I had to pick someone for second. Um, I think they've got more money to spend as well. That's what I'm worried about. I think that there's still one or two signings to come for Chelsea. And Tuchel's already done such a good job of shoring up the defence mm-hmm. there as well. That Their defence was incredible after he joined. I mean, the, the, the numbers are ridiculous on the stats. Um, so I really do think... I think Chelsea will finish in the top four next year for sure. And I think it'll be like a comfortable top four as well. Same with Liverpool. Um, with Van Dijk back, it's going to make all the difference to your, your team, isn't it? It's it's like it's like if Liverpool had almost lost Gerrard back in his prime. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's that important to Liverpool. Um, so if, if Van Dijk's back and hopefully he can prove his fitness, I don't think Liverpool will have a problem coming in the top four either. And then... I think the last spot goes to Man United, to be honest. I think they've really strengthened with Varane today. And I think I think it's it might be over the line tomorrow, but it looks like he's he's signed today. Yeah. Um and Jaden Sancho as well. They've added to what was already a really, really good team from last year, who came second, obviously. So I can't look past those four. Have, have you got any thoughts on it yourself? Um I think exactly the same four, obviously in a different order. I think Liverpool are gonna win it, but or should say I hope Liverpool are gonna win it. Um, I think that as opposed to previous years when going into the season has been sort of Man Man City and Liverpool, I think that if either of the four you just said won it, I don't think people would look back and think that's a massive shock. You know, Man United back end of last season were playing some really nice football. And as you just said as well, they've just, you know, recruited two absolutely world-class players. Uh, Man City had a world-class team anyway. Chelsea looked brilliant. Um, I don't have they signed anyone yet. I can't think of anyone off the top. Of my I head. don't think so, but you can tell that they've been linked with a lot of players. I think they've got the money ready to to spend on a Haaland or a Declan Rice or something like that. I don't think Rice will go, ironically, but they've been linked with these players and they seem more than willing to willing to spend the money. Like especially what after they splashed out last year, so. Yeah, I think there will be a few Chelsea signings to come. I think they're just waiting for the right ones. I think. And let's face it, they don't have to recruit, have to uh, sign anyone else anyway. They've got a world class team anyway. Um, and then Liverpool, who um, you know, so any of those four outside of that, I think that a lot, a lot will depend on how teams like Arsenal and Tottenham start the season. Um, I can't imagine, well, I know from speaking to people I know that neither of the fans from either of those teams are particularly excited about the start of the season. Um, if Kane stays and, and they get a few of the players in, maybe they could challenge the top four. But I, I, I can't see any other team getting into the top four. No, if Kane leaves, it's the end of the discussion for Tottenham top four, I think. I'd, I think they'll be lucky to finishing the Europa League places if Kane leaves, to be honest, and they don't replace him with with someone who's really, really good. Um, and who do you replace him with? I mean, you know, if you get... There's talk they're going to sign Danny Ings, I think, if, if Kane leaves. I mean, it's not the same level of player, mm-hmm. is it? I know, he's, I know he's probably someone you think of as a pretty decent striker for the Premier League, but he's not Harry Kane, is he? No, not at all, no. And so we spoke about the newly promoted teams, and they're normally, I'm assuming, I haven't looked at the odds, that they'll be the favourites to go back down again. Um, who do you think is getting relegated? 
I think one of Norwich or Watford will go. I think it might be that the other one puts up a fight and goes down. So I'm going to say Norwich again. Uh, I think Norwich might just about go down again. As much as that, I said they've improved. They have lost Buendia, which is a big loss because he was their player of the season last year. I think so. To lose a player like that, it's going to be tough to come back from that. I think. I know they've signed Gilmore though. That could be a really good signing for Norwich. Yeah. Um, I think um, so Mil uh, Rashina as well is a really good player. I watch a bit of Bundesliga and he's been pretty good. He's very similar type of player to uh, Buendia, but Buendia, I just, you know, it's so difficult to replace that kind of player without spending 50 million. But um... Yeah, someone tipped that Rashina guy to me on, on Twitter the other day. So yeah, I've, I've been keeping my eye on him. I think he's a 5 million mid, so that's that's quite good. Um, yeah. Other than that, you don't know how Crystal Palace are going to adapt to um, the new new manager and it looks like they're turning over a whole new squad, basically, because I know a lot of the guys were out of contract. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I think I'd put that I'd put them in there just on that basis. So Crystal Palace, Norwich, and then I'm I'm struggling for the last place to be honest. Obviously, you would think I think Brentford will stay up. I really, really do. I think there's talk that they're they're hopefully shoring up the defence in some way, and also. I think, then, like I said, they might shock a few teams and get a few really good results early on that might just about be enough, I think. But um, have you got any thoughts? Yeah, I think that the, um, it's easier to predict the top four this year than it is the relegated teams. I think Norwich, they would be my favourites to go down. Um, and for exactly the reason you said, I think Buendia, you know, although Billy Gilmore obviously is a cracking signing, um they lost the Spurs lad as well, who was brilliant for them last year. I can't think of the top of my name now. Spurs midfielder played. Skip. Skip. Is Skip, he going about yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And he was brilliant for them last year. I think Gilmore can replace him. Uh, Rashina, I'm not 100% sure yet. Uh, I think he has the, the skill to do it. But coming to the Premier League is, you know, quite a big thing for a lot of these players. So it would depend on how he starts. Um, I don't. I don't know. After that, I, I think it could be the type of year where any one of, you know, maybe ten teams. A lot of people think Brighton are uh, who underperformed, you know, both XG and X um, A last year. They think that, you know, if they can get a decent striker, they could have a promising season. But it could easily go the other way, and they could, you know, get relegated. Um, Southampton, I think that. If they lose Danny Ings and they don't find an adequate replacement, then it could be a really difficult season for them as well. So I think Norwich would be the one that I would sort of hold my hat on. Um, I think Crystal Palace, you know, I think that's going to depend on how they start. They've made a few signings yet and they haven't made any big splashy signings. Um, I think if they can keep their team together, then, you know, perhaps they can stay up. But it's going to be a difficult one for quite a few of the teams, I think. I think it's the toughest year to call. And I think from a from a fantasy perspective, obviously it doesn't matter if the team gets relegated as long as individuals are performing. You talked about Mateus Pereira earlier, for example, who had a great season in, in our useless West Brom team other than that one player, basically. Um so I think it's it's more important than ever to like target talisman on on a game like fan team or FPL. Pick the player who looks like the team's best player and hopefully he'll still get the points even if the players around him don't perform because I'm yep. the same as you. I can't predict who's going to get relegated this year in terms of that like third spot, especially, or even the second spot, to be honest. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Let's assume that Kane stays at Spurs. Um, I think it's 50-50 at the moment, whether he goes or whether he stays. 
if he stays at Spurs, who's going to be top scorer next season? Mohamed Salah. Yes, game is Liverpool love. Nice. I, th I think with it's it's difficult to say with Jota because Jota is one of the greediest players I've ever seen play football. So <laughs> I'm not sure he's going to create more chances for Mo Salah, but it might be that he's attacking intent at least, just creates more like um, the ball drop into Salah 20 yards from goal, for example, or you know what I mean? So I think yeah. having those extra attacking flair players will, will help Salah even more. And let's face it, he didn't have an amazing, amazing season by his standards last year. He still did really well, don't get me wrong, but um, it could be that he goes back to his form in the first year where he gets 30 goals again or whatever. So he's got that in his locker, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, yeah. He sort of, he does tend to miss, I mean, I haven't looked at the stats, so this is, you know, anecdotally, but I suspect that Liverpool probably missed more chances than any team or would, would have been right at the top of the list. You know, they just sort of they get into so many good situations, even when they weren't playing particularly well and they were just like not putting them away. Uh, Mane had an awful season last year. Obviously, you get a little bit of a discount with him over Salah, but then Salah's on the penalties. So, you know, that's the trade-off. But uh, yeah, no, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. But um, yeah, no, it's great. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to speak about? I think we've just about come to the end. Yeah, just quickly on the point you just said, I, I really like the look of having both Mane and Salah at points next season. I think mm. I think the price on Mane is too good and yeah. Salah's too reliable. So I think I think as a pair, I think when Liverpool have good periods of really good fixtures, I think it's. A, a really good idea to to have both at times next season. I think in in some of my lineups anyway, I think I'm going to take that approach for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I probably you know will have those two and Trent, and then sort of you know make sacrifices in the rest of the team. But I definitely will have at least one team um, with those that combination in, or with Robertson or whatever. But I think Robertson's slightly cheaper, isn't he? Like half a million, is it? I can't half remember. a million, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And Van Dyke six, which could be amazing. I think compared to Robertson seven and Trent seven five, I think Van Dyke could be the one if he if he proves his fitness, as I said. So that's yeah, one to watch out for. He scores a lot of goals as well when he's sort of fit. Um, my worry over him is that generally from ACL sort of recovery, you're looking at a year. You know, not you know he can play football now and he's training, but he hasn't been in any of the preseason games yet. Um, and to fully get back up to fitness and speed, you need like 12 months and that would take us through to October. So I do worry that he's going to get like the odd niggly injury to start off with sort of, you know, hamstrings and stuff like that when you haven't played for so long do tend to be trouble. So we'll start off, we'll probably have him in one team. He definitely won't be a bedrock of sort of, you know, the all of my teams, but... I've looked at the same thing myself because, ironically, I, I was going to have him not as not as a bedrock in hundred percent, but I was looking at sort of having him in fifty, sixty percent of my teams. But yeah, the news that's been coming out of Liverpool in the last few days and stuff, just talking about how he's not quite there, and he's he, they're talking about playing him twenty minutes in the next friendly, I think, or something. So he's clearly still nowhere near, as as you've correctly alluded to there. So yeah. I think he's going to go as more of like a lower owned player for me now, rather than sort of a bedrock, which which was my initial reaction when, I, to be honest, I thought he was hundred percent fit now. So I've got that completely wrong with what I was thinking. But um, yeah, because there was talk for a while, wasn't there, that he may make the Euros? I, I personally thought there was no chance of that ever happening. But um, you know, generally from these things, and I, I'm sort of taking this really from sort of my, you know, play, I play and um, NFL fantasy a lot. 
And, you know, when a player goes down there, he's done for the year, you know, and they say done for the year. And generally it is a whole year before you're getting them back. But um, but it'd be quite interesting. And I think that, you know, if you do have him in and he does start and he gets lucky with these sort of niggly injuries that you can get, then he could be a big differential. Because I don't think, you know, a lot of people are going to probably chance it with him. They'll probably go down the obvious routes. Yeah, I'd, I think I'm I'm erring on the side of caution with that one now, but it's definitely a price to note down for later in the season even because I think that's such a cheap way into the Liverpool defence when he's got the attacking threat, as you as you alluded to. So, yeah, I want to note down, I think. as well, couldn't it? So, if people don't have him in the team. But, um, okay, so that is everything from myself, SL Monkey, and more importantly, Josh. Um, what's your username on uh, fan team so people can keep a lookout for you at the top? My name's Check Josh on fan team, so just Check Josh. Yeah, the check word check. In, like C H E C K. Yeah. Okay, and is that from um, poker? Yeah, it's my poker star's name. Yeah, exactly. Ah, okay, cool. So thanks, Josh, or um, Check Josh. Um, and we're wishing well for the new season. As I said, he can finish second, which he seems more than happy with. And I'll take the first. Absolutely. And uh, before I leave you, just one more quick mention. We've got the leaderboard. All you need to do, refer one friend and then enter the teams every week. Or you don't, And we take the top five score, sorry, the top eight scores during the whole of the season and the winner will get a grand. If you want more details, I'll post a link in the, the podcast or you can find it on fanteamfocus.com. Um, if you've got any questions at all, come into our Discord or slide into DMs on Twitter and we will help you out. Um, so without further ado, I will thank Josh for joining us this week and I will be back next week. Thank you, Josh. Thanks very much.